Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktena, and today we'll be diving into how to determine whether the life you're living is meant to help you learn lessons and acquire skills, provide a means to practice and enhance skills you've already learned, or live a life of service as a fully accomplished practitioner of the skills you've acquired. Most religions and much of spirituality focus on the soul as student, as child, embodying in order to learn basic lessons of existence. Somewhat like mathematics, these lessons are seen as needing to be learned in order, and once we learn one, we're graded, rewarded, and can then be assigned a new lesson to learn, and so on. As learning and becoming are some of the major purposes of this planet, and what the majority of souls are embodying to do, this is in general fairly accurate as far as generalizations go. One thing to note is life is not math, so we don't need to learn one lesson at a time, and most people don't, just as we don't learn one and only one thing at a time when we're children. School is where we learn not only academic subjects, but social rules and dynamics, how to interconnect one-on-one with others our own age, as well as adults outside our social circle, and that the world is a much bigger place than the universe of home, which we have come to know. And that's just first grade. Also, there's a lot more to learning something than just getting it. The true test is in whether or not we can apply what we think we've learned. For example, in getting a driver's license, there's both a written and a practical exam. The intellectual knowing of something doesn't make you a driver, and one particular moment in time when you are demonstrating the complex task of driving doesn't mean you're able to demonstrate your ability to deal with every situation required of a driver. Therefore, we must go through both tests to be certified legal to drive. So to in life, once we know a lesson, we then must demonstrate we can apply the lesson in an embodied life. This may happen in the same life where we learned the lesson, but most often happens in subsequent lives. If we're struggling with a particular lesson, we may construct a life which causes us to focus specifically on the issue, somewhat like running cattle through a series of ever smaller shoots in order to quickly and safely get them into a corral. Without distraction, and with no room to turn around or jump over any obstructions on the sides, they're forced to move forward to the correct destination, which doesn't prevent some determined cows from trying. There is, however, another reason for embodying which most people don't realize exists or don't focus on, and this is service. Souls eventually do mature, graduate as it were, and so no longer need to learn basic lessons of existence. They move on to unfolding their abilities in a way which can add to the becoming of all beingness and enhance the experience of others. For lack of a better term, I call this choosing to be in service or taking on a career. Those who have skill sets and an interest in embodiment sometimes choose to embody in order to provide their services to embodied souls or to augment the embodied experience. Historically, these were the medicine elders, spiritual leaders, healers, benevolent political leaders, and so on within the various cultures worldwide. At various times through pre- and recorded history, there have been less or more healers depending on the needs of the community being served. As we've entered into the paradigm shift, this time when the matriarchal cultural features are returning and blending with technological societies, there has been a surge of beings in service choosing to embody. Over the past 80 to 100 years, more and more mature souls are embodying in order to help in a multitude of ways, 
as we attempt once again to mature into the inventions and capabilities we've brought and are bringing into being. The ways they are choosing to help are always elegant and a blessing, but oftentimes surprising. While there are a large contingent of people who are healers in one aspect or another and more are coming, there are also those who choose to work with aspects of embodied life other than people. There are scientists who are helping to put ethics back into science and the should we into the equation along with the can we. There are those who choose a true warrior's life in order to put positive strength into the world. Many of these live solitary lives away from others in order to fully expand their spiritual nature without having to carry the burden of social constrictions or the cares and concerns of others. There are some mature souls who embody in order to provide enlightened parents to the new generation who are coming to embody this new version of matriarchal social interconnection, taking on other projects along the way which hone their skills, nurture their personal interests, or enhance their service in other areas. There are even contingents of mature souls who embody with the specific intent of forgetting everything about their true nature. They are neither here to learn nor to teach, but instead to radiate their beingness into the world, like the trees taking in nitrogen and exhaling oxygen. In the embodied lives they choose, they are neither spiritual nor even necessarily intelligent. They don't glow, are not savants or the marginalized living outside of society. Most are the salt of the earth living among us blissfully unaware they are one of the fasteners stabilizing positive energy into the world and converting the negative into useful material. Of course, it's impossible to list all the ways which mature souls might come into the world to be of service, just as it's impossible to actually describe in detail the complexity of the world we live in. However, what's important to note is these lives don't necessarily look amazingly different from lives of education. Being embodied, no matter what the reason, is difficult and experiential. We will therefore have hard knocks and learn things regardless of why we came here or what we choose to do now that we're in the thick of things. Being a mature soul doesn't mean you get a pass as evidenced by the Dalai Lama, Pope Francis, Gandhi, and many others. Just as children mistakenly see adulthood as adding agency to the freedom of childhood rather than seeing the reduction of freedom and the addition of responsibility, so we tend to think of being in service as meaning we're somehow above the mundane and able to ignore the realities of embodied life. In fact, it's quite the reverse. As Tara, Mother of Buddha, and Kuan Yin demonstrate, to be in service is to be of and in the world more fully partaking of its hardships and wonders rather than less. So those who come to be in service, particularly those who intend to work with people in some manner, choose to be born into families which will be difficult in some way. This can be anything from not feeling like they fit in to the UN definition of torture and everything in between. This is not random, but very carefully calculated to trigger the person into using specific gifts, to enhance or awaken latent skills, and to turn on traits they've acquired through various means and convert them into applicable talents in this particular life. This is not to say any particular parental behaviors or specific events in childhood were pre-planned or agreed upon. Everyone has free will, including our parents, so what they agreed to do and be before becoming embodied might not be what they become or what they do once they get here. However, those coming to be in service seek out difficulties in childhood in order to create the necessary empathy, the brokenness which spurs connection, the desire to help others because they themselves needed help in their formative years. 
For those in service, it's not the childhood which is most crucial, but the years afterwards, the 20s, and to some extent the 30s. It's in these years, the time period when we're coming to terms with the fact that the universe our parents built was not a universe, but a cardboard construction, that we actually exist in a universe which is much bigger, our parents are not gods but human, and we're free to build our own world. It's here we're expecting to work through any of the childhood-specific issues we're left with so we can move into our path of service. This, of course, is much easier to write than it is to live, and where most people get very stuck. One of the ways in which people get stuck is in looking for the lesson in their experiences. You know, what am I mean to learn from this? For someone living in education life, there are usually clear markers pointing in the direction of the answer, the person being unable to see them notwithstanding. However, for a person in service, the experiences are not a lesson per se. Opening the door to the garage is not a lesson. It's a means of getting into the garage so one can access the vehicle parked there, or get into the things stored there, or use the tools in the workshop set up in the corner, and so on. Just because you have to get up, get the key, unlock the door, go through the door, then close it to keep the animals in and the cold out, doesn't have some amazing lesson involved. Although we as meaning makers can find metaphysical and philosophical meaning in just about anything. That's why the kiosk at the metaphysical fun park has a dot with an arrow stating, why are you here? Struggling to find the lessons in the events keeps people from the real goal, healing into them moving beyond surviving into thriving, seeing them as the foundation for unfolding into their true nature here and allowing this to flow out to others. Often this need to find the lesson stems from a need to not feel our emotions, to not sink into the flexibility of balance and movement or interconnected experience of the now, and instead to protect ourselves by being in control. By intellectually understanding the situation in all aspects, we can then feel we're empowered to control it and our environment, thereby prevent any further negative impacts to ourselves. This never works out as we experience over and over again, but our fear spurs our brains to problem solve, to seek out answers, to find solutions, to discover the key thing which will solve everything and release us. The problem being, those who came to be of service voluntarily came not to be released, but to delve deeply into this difficult thing called life. To not only live in it, but help others to do so healthily and successfully. If we're not up to our elbows in living, then we're missing the point. There are a variety of ways which we can remind ourselves of whether or not we came to live in service. One is having a calling or passion. If we've known since we were small we were meant to do something like write or dance or be a doctor or so on, then we more than likely came to live a life of service and a very specific one our soul programmed in, so during embodied life we wouldn't mistake the direction we wanted to go in and which we prepared our bodies for. Another way is that niggling feeling that there should be something more, that this life feels a bit empty and there's something which is nagging, something we're meant to do or be, if we could only just remember what it is. There are those who discover what they're meant to do as they brush up against information concerning it, whether through direct contact or by hearing about it from others. Our guides can help us remember this information. However, we often trip ourselves up by the way in which we ask. Most people construct their questions as if they're students requesting guidance from a teacher or authority figure, and of course, our guides are neither, and so they can't respond. We are responsible for our lives and how we implement them, exponentially more so once we're mature souls in service. 
so they can provide us information, whatever they have available, about what we had intended, but can't make choices for us or influence us into making one choice over another. It can be helpful to think of these situations like spelling bees. We're trying to figure out how something is spelled, and our guides can give us pronunciations, root languages, how to use the word in a sentence, but they can't spell it out for us. In many cases, they're working from a thesaurus and can't even choose the word we should spell, instead giving us a list of choices which will all work just as well depending on how we prefer to express ourselves. Meditation can help us find the path we wanted to walk, and many people experience this through a simple guided visualization, which asks them to see themselves five years from now. If you add in, what would my life look like if I were fully expressing my path to it, then the meditation becomes a way of seeing the most probable embodiment based on current choices and resources, therefore being rather powerful and often accurate. Another way to access this information is through your soul book. Section 5 details what service work the soul is doing, which is the bigger picture, while Section 6, at the beginning of the section, will have the service plans for the current life along with all the selection criteria. My class, Reading Your Akashic Record, the intermediate level, can help guide students through any lingering stuckness and into a deep understanding of their service and what possible paths they can choose in this life to implement it. Section 5 and 7 contain all the specifics of why we embodied and what we mean to achieve in this life. Sweat Lodge can also be helpful if one is held specifically for the purpose of bringing this information into focus, and the traditional Native American practices of Vision Quest allow a person to experience the details of who they intended to be here and how to manifest it in this embodied life. No matter what type of life we came here to live or the reasons for living it, we all learn new things. This life is experiential, and part of the attraction is the unique experiences it affords, which we can have nowhere else. There may be nothing new under the sun, but like snowflakes, each life is unique and brings into being unique expressions which enrich the all. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thank you to my patron of honor this week, Kelly. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can join in patron-only classes and workshops, see all my other offerings, and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.